This is GradCast. All the do's and don'ts of being a grad. Hi, I'm Callum. I'm Krishna. In this episode of GradCast, putting on the style. Your work style, that is. Most of it is just about observing other people and observing yourself as well, just being a little bit more um, reflective and um, taking note of other people's behaviour. And when things get a little tricky in the office. Yeah, tension is tension is ever-present. Uh, and you certainly need to always expect it. But it, it, it's not sort of an impossible thing to deal with when it does come up. This is GradCast. For grads, by grads. Supported by the Commonwealth Superannuation Corporation, CSC. And a note for listeners, this episode was recorded during the caretaker period. Now... Back to Callum and Krishna. Welcome back to episode five of GradCast. For the grads, by the grads. I can't believe it, Callum, that we've made it this far. Um, Time certainly does fly. And while it's super busy for me at the moment during the caretaker period, I think it's actually become a lot more quieter for some other people in different agencies as well. Um, There's a whole bunch of campaigning happening around the country. And I don't know who's busier, the bees on Wellbee Day or the politicians um, around Election Day, which is at the same date. Um, But how about yourself? How are things at CSC at the moment? Yeah, well, that's right, Krishna. Time certainly does fly and it's great to be uh, back here for episode five. Things for me at the moment at CSE actually aren't too different during uh, the lead up to elections as we're recording, yeah, uh, just days away from the federal election, but not too different in my day to day and what I'm doing. But yeah, certainly um, I know yeah, for, for people like yourself, it is really busy time. So hopefully after the election, uh, you will get to, to, I guess, have a bit of a rest and, and not have to be so busy with, um, with the caretaker period. Uh, but today we're, we're not actually going to be talking so much about elections, uh, but something else which a lot of graduates will be thinking about and something that I've been thinking about a lot uh, sort of at this time in my graduate program and that's um, thinking about understanding communication and working with others. Uh, so at this stage in my graduate program, there's been lots of opportunities that I've had to work with others, working with other graduates, working with uh, people above me, managers, supervisors. Uh, and so I think it'd be really helpful in this episode as we talk to some really interesting guests to get more of an insight onto how we can understand communication and how we can uh, work better with others as we uh, yeah, communicate with them and understand styles of communication. So I'm really looking forward to that in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And when I reflect back to my grad year, I remember having a really steep learning curve and communication being a really important part of it when it came to making relationships and just, um, you know, understanding how best to communicate with my managers and my grad team and so on and so forth. So a really, really important skill um, and a lifelong skill, um, even when you're no longer a grad. Um, today, we are joined by a really exciting guest who is actually going to educate all of us um, on different communication communication styles and we're really excited to get right into it so keep listening 
style comes in many different forms and communication styles come in many different forms, even in the workplace, um, because at the end of the day, how we interact with our colleagues, with our grad, um, grad peers, with our managers is all going to be very different. And in today's episode, we are going to get some insights into different styles of working and how all of us can, in our careers, understand our own styles better. And to help us understand our own styles better today, we are joined by Ellen Piper, the Outreach and Partnerships Manager from the Commonwealth Superannuation Corporation. Welcome to GradCast, Ellen. Thanks for having me, Krishna. Ellen brings with her more than 15 years of experience in the industry, and Ellen's delight is guiding graduates into taking their first steps on the career ladder. She designed and developed the Commonwealth Superannuation Corporation's first ever graduate program and is also a TRACOM social style and versatility instructor. Oh, I'm interested in knowing more about that. Training students to leverage their unique working styles and interacting with others' working styles is all what Ellen is going to be telling us about today. So Ellen, let's dive straight into it. Can you start by just telling me what are some of the different styles of working? Thank you. Um, So I can tell you that there are four main styles that they've identified through research over many years. And these styles are like your behavioral or communication styles. It's like where you go when you're on autopilot. So you're driving home, you can't even remember how you got there. It's the same thing for the things that you say and you do in the workplace or in your life. It's like when you go on autopilot, what your sort of home style is. Um, And so we have four of those. Uh, We have expressive types, amiable, analytical and driver types. So um, four different styles. Uh, That's very, very interesting because I just thought you're either a good communicator or a bad one, not that there's four entire styles. Um, Are there some ways that we can actually identify this style in ourselves or in somebody else? Definitely. And most of it is just about observing other people and observing yourself as well, just being a little bit more um, reflective and um, taking note of other people's behaviour. It's not your personality either as a very critical thing to know. You don't want to actually mix, like mix, mix up your communication or your behavioural style with who you are as a person. This is just on the surface, like the crust of a pie, not the inside gooey centre. So um, watching people, and there is a little uh, quiz that I can send as well, if you're interested, uh, we can pop it on the website. Yeah, um, I think that will help people to get a quick idea of what they are. But as we move through this, I can kind of give you some tips and pointers about what, how you might want to identify those different types. Yeah. I would love to know the pros and cons of some of these styles and it would be interesting for me to know which one is better than the other if at all. Um, So these styles are different. They're not better or worse than each other. They each have their different pros and cons. And I can start with the expressive style. Um, So the expressive style is great at promoting and selling ideas. So that's um, something they're fantastic at, telling stories and getting people on board and excited about something. Um, Whereas they're sort of the con in that instance is needing to check with others. Sometimes they get so excited about something, they've run off halfway down the track and uh, before they've, they've checked with anyone and then that idea can't actually be executed for many reasons. Um, So checking with others is the thing that that um, uh, style needs to do more often as a growth action. Um, For driver style, they're great at turning ideas into realities. They're really goal-centric, so they just want to achieve, achieve the goal, reach the goal. Um, One of the things that they can... uh, that they do need to do is to listen more often um, as they can sometimes achieve the goal, but at the cost of people or, you know, other um, 
less quantifiable kind of goals. Um, so, for example, you know, you're running a program, but you, you know, you can reach the goal, but actually everyone in the program's burnt out. Half of them have quit. Uh, the customers have got what they wanted, but it isn't exactly how uh, because we rushed. So that's one example. Um, analytical types are great at doing the thinking work. So they like things to be accurate. Um, and But one of the things that they're really good at is analysing information to make sure we're making good decisions or better decisions uh, because they're, they're really willing to take that time and look at all of the data and information. Uh, but one of the things they're not so good at <laughs> is they often sit on information too long and they want things to be accurate so much that even if they've got 99% of the data and they know that it the answer is going to be X. They won't tell you until they've got that last 1% of data. So their growth action is to declare more often because um, sometimes they can slow things down unnecessarily. Um, then we finally, we have the amiable type. Um, so they're really great at keeping team harmony and cohesion and building and developing teams that perform. Um, however, their growth action is to initiate. Sometimes um, they're a little more passive because they like everyone to get along and they're great at creating that team spirit. Um, sometimes they won't initiate anything because they just want to go, go with the flow. Um, so that's their growth action. That's awesome. I love all of those different personality types and I can actually start to notice that some of them might be better suited to different career pathways than others as well. Okay, so changing gears a little bit, um, you have tons of experience working with graduates, Ellen, um, and you've managed many of them during your time with the CSC. So what are your expectations when a new graduate joins your team? My expectation is really that they're going to come in and want to learn and, and try things out, even if they're not sure it's for them. I think part of being a grad is really getting to try a variety of things and work out where it is that you fit, like finding that uh, the even the tasks that you prefer over other tasks, it helps helps you really develop in your career. Uh, I think that's the, the beauty and, um, of a grad program and something that um, I really expect from my uh, grads. I also expect honesty. So I really want them to try things and then tell me I hated that. Actually, that, well, that was a real struggle. Or no, I loved that. Like, give me more of that kind of work. Is it helps me develop them as a leader. It helps me understand where their strengths are and, and, um, and it helps me to help them on their career journey, I guess, as well. Um, the other thing I do expect is not from the grad, but I expect my team to really keep it simple. Um, one thing I've noticed is that we often assume a lot of things and we assume that grads know a ton of stuff and then they come in and we're throwing acronyms and all this other nonsense at them and they have no idea what we're talking about. So I'm always like, keep it simple, bring it back to basics. Communication is very important because these grads are exposed to maybe three to four different managers during the rotations, three to four different teams, and everybody's going to have different styles of communication, as you've already pointed out. And, you know, sometimes conflict or a little bit of tension is inevitable. So what? how do you handle um, those sorts of situations? Look, I normally think about tension or like if there's conflict in the workplace, it's generally usually about pace or priority. There can be other interpersonal things that go that go on, but generally it's always about pace. So that's the speed, you know, whether we're going slow or, fa or fast um, or uh, that priority tension. So people tend to either be goal oriented or people oriented, um, not completely, but more so one than the other. Um, and so you see that playing out in the workplace a lot. One person just wants to, they're the driver, they want to get to the goal, like let's get Get there now. And then there's someone who's analytical saying, whoa, 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 slow down. We need to get the information and make sure things are accurate. Um, for example, uh, an example for priority tensions would be 
um, you know, someone, like I mentioned earlier, you know, wanting to get to the goal, but then not bringing people along with them. So um, instead of bringing people, they're so focused on the task that sometimes they forget that, you know, there's people, the, the people that need to execute that task need to come along and be brought along. And it may, sometimes needs to be slowed down so that they can come on that journey with you. So those are the things that I would always consider when there is conflict or um, tension in the workplace. And then you start to think about how you can meet people's needs. So if you can have a look at your co-workers and try and work out what drives them um, and, and what style they are, then you can kind of adjust. So for analytical types, you want to reinforce that their facts and data and all that the thinking that they're doing about um, what's right and what's best is valued. Um, and so that will bring them along with you again. Amiable types, you know, the, again, so a, uh, analytical and amiable types tend to work slower, whereas drivers and expressive types tend to want to go fast. Um, and the same thing for prioritization. Um, so you'll find that analytical and drivers want to focus on the task, whereas amiable and expressive types tend to focus on the people. Um, so for amiable types, you want to encourage them to feel safe and like their um, contribution is valued. Um, invite them to offer constructive criticism because they often, like I said, take the back seat. Um, for expressive types, you want to show them how you can help them achieve goals or results. So, you know, like if hey, if I can get everyone in our team on board and we can slow it down and just catch them up and tell them what we're doing and why, then we're going to work faster as a team because then we're going to have five people instead of two trying to drive to the goal, for example. So I think with um, expressive types, you've just got to show them um, that you're listening and that you're excited and that you're enthusiastic basically as well. It helps. Um, but these styles all have negatives as well. So sometimes, for example, expressives can get a bit upset um, if they're not feeling like they're being heard at work. So again, you want to make sure that you're taking time to let them vent. Um, analytical types will tend to dig their heels in and won't do anything on the project if they don't think it's going the right way. Um, so again, use that technique, tell them that their facts and their data um, is valued. Um, and again, for amiables, it's just that safety element. You want to make them feel safe to, to um, you know, give their opinion. Otherwise, they'll just go, whatever you say, boss, whatever you say, um, they'll never give you their actual opinion. Um, before we wrap up, I did have one last question for you. Um, I'm sure you remember your early career days, including um, how you weren't able to use your fax machine very well and, you know, how you just yeah. played it by ear. But um, when you took the first steps on the career ladder, if there was one thing you wish you did differently to better prepare yourself for the workplace culture, what would that be? I actually think that this kind of training, like knowing yourself is really important. Um, so, you know, knowing what your style is, but also knowing what your strengths are, like what you're really good at. So I would say pay attention to the things that give you energy, even when you're at school or, at, you know, your casual job or whatever it is, you know, you know, there's some tasks you're always putting off and procrastinating and others that you just love and they give you energy. And that's the first thing that you're going to do in the morning when you get to work because you're excited about that task. If I'd paid more attention to that, I think I would have worked out what I wanted to do in my career a lot earlier. Um, so I, th I recommend just thinking about that, keeping that in mind, no matter what you do. Oftentimes you're not bad at a job or, you know, you might try something and be like, "Ugh, I really sucked at that. But actually it's because it's not playing to your strengths. And so it helps that thinking about that helps you understand, okay, this next job I'm applying for actually has only 30% of that type of work, but 70% of work that I really like, tasks that I really get energised by. So that's going to be a better fit for me. And it gets you closer to jobs that you really love and you're excited to do. Um, and I also think that, yeah, if you're interested in learning more about yourself in this, 
um, sort of in this behavioural style um, field or communication field, get in touch with me, do the quiz, um, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to talk about this stuff. I'm really passionate about it. I know that I'm going home today and, you know, writing up a column in my notebook and, you know, writing the things that excite me at work and that don't excite me to find out, you know, what are the things that make me passionate. But for all of our listeners at home, we will also be sharing a whole bunch of resources that Ellen has for us with this episode. So stay tuned for um, all of those exciting resources. And thank you so much, Ellen, for your time and um, amazing advice today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Krishna. Take care. Wow, what a great conversation I've just had with Ellen Piper, the Outreach and Partnerships Manager from Commonwealth Superannuation Corporation, Callum. And she taught us so much about the different communication styles. I was actually really surprised to find out the pros and cons and how, you know, we can identify them in other people. What did you think about that conversation? Yeah, absolutely, Krishna. I have been working with Ellen in my time uh, as a grad at Commonwealth Super and um Yes, yeah, certainly uh, Ellen has spoken about the different working styles a few times and every time I hear her speak about it, uh, I think I pick up something new. It's always like really insightful to yeah, just be thinking about that and applying that sort of mentality to the way I think about my own style and working with others. And I really liked how Ellen, yeah, is just like encouraging uh, graduates to be uh, self-reflective and yeah, once we know ourselves better, we're actually better able to understand our strengths and play to our strengths. So would definitely recommend any graduates listening to, yeah, take some time to sort of think about that, think about the working style that you have and how you can use that to better interact with others. Whatever your work style, catch up on all the tips and tricks of being a grad. Our previous episodes are up and available wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget... We'd love to hear your helpful suggestions. Gradcast, brought to you by CSC, the Commonwealth Superannuation Corporation. Now, back to Krishna and Callum. The way you communicate with friends can be vastly different from how you interact with colleagues and managers. Uh, For example, for Krishna and I on this podcast, the conversations we can have with each other might be very different from conversations we might have with a guest, uh, particularly if they're a senior APS personnel. And to get an insight onto how APS graduates prepare for and approach workplace conversations, we're joined today by Thomas Cullen, a graduate from the Department of Infrastructure, Transport, Regional Development and Communications. The acronym for that is DIR. D-I-T-R-D-C. I'm not going to try and like sound that out. It's, it's a bit of a mouthful for that one. But um, Tom, welcome to episode five of Gradcast. It's so great to have you join us. Hey, Callum. Nice to be here. Thanks for, uh, thanks for inviting me. Tom has over five years of work experience working on policy. And before starting his grad role, Tom was a policy officer at the National Farmers Federation. He's known for his creative energy and passion for culture and international affairs, But in this episode, we're moving away from law and policy, and we're going to be focusing on Tom's experience in the APS uh, and how he works with his team. So let's dive into it, Tom. Uh, And to start with, let's turn back the clock and reflect on your initial days in the APS. What did you do to prepare for the workplace culture? Yeah, it um, it doesn't seem all that long ago. It was only the beginning of this year, I suppose. But uh, um, 
I, I knew coming out of the private sector that there was a very uh, different sort of working culture within the APS. People sort of joke about it here in Canberra, you know, with flex time and, you know, public servants knocking off at, at, at three o'clock in the afternoon, which of course doesn't happen, um, except for maybe, you know, rare occasions where there's something happening and uh, that time will be made up later. Um, I would say that the, the number one thing that struck me about the differences between the public service and the private sector is just sort of the, there is a tendency towards flexibility. It's a much less rigid work environment. Um, obviously, this varies a lot between departments and, and the kind of work that you're doing, whether it's time sensitive. You know, in certain departments, you may even need to be working sort of long into the evening if there's uh, something happening with international trade or something along those lines. But by and large, the thing that struck me as a grad is the fact that um, people are very consultative. They sort of will engage with you and ask, you know, what what work style suits you best as a person? Um, and, uh, you know, this is what obviously the requirements of the role are. But in there, is there a way that we can sort of optimize that and make it work better for, for you and for us so that you are achieving the most that you can? Um, and that almost surprised me a little bit how... Uh, willing people were to to be flexible with work arrangements. Like I said, um, I'm still a fairly early start and there are many, many different areas across the APS, so I'm sure that there's some variation there. But for me personally as a grad, um, pleasantly surprised, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, terrific. That's a really, really good aspect of the APS work culture. Uh, Tom, what are you mindful of when working with uh, your manager as opposed to maybe like your peers or other grads? Um, so... In the grad program that I'm currently in, we sort of go through a series of rotations. There's, there's, the, there's three rotations over the year, so we will have a different manager for each of those, uh, maybe a couple of people at the EL level who are supervising our work and checking in with us regularly. Um, our peers, insofar as those are the other grads, tend to get a little bit broken up across different work areas, um, but you're still very much checking in with those people, you know, on the same level, asking how's things going for you, what's your workload like, Social events, obviously, there's a big social calendar and a big component of the uh, the infrastructure grad program is that you sort of run with your colleagues this social club, which is for the entire department to sort of partake in events from. Um, working with managers, they're aware of that and they're aware that you have obligations, I suppose, to your colleagues, uh, but are also very much wanting you to balance that with your professional workload in whichever part of the department you find yourself um, and they'll check in with you uh, and kind of say, so look, what are your obligations to your colleagues? What are your study obligations, if you have any of those? For my own part, I've got uh, Wednesdays are basically a day for me to work on a um, graduate certificate that we're working on through the program. Um, and they'll kind of say, okay, well, here are the tasks tasks that we, the, we want you on. Um, here are the tasks that we want you on. How uh, do you want to break up your workload so that we're meeting those targets and, you know, meeting whatever achievables we need to get, uh, seeking outcomes and so on, while also making sure that you're not having stress building up because you're delaying things with your colleagues. You know, you've got study obligations that you're unable to meet because the workload's too high. How can we balance that and find a good middle ground that suits both of us? And they'll check in over the course of the rotation as well. Um, you know, that's that's part of the program is you'll, you'll review each other, essentially, um, take a look at whatever plan you've done up to manage your workload over that rotation. And yeah, I found it to be a really uh, smooth process to be, again, uh, sort of pleasantly, um, well, not surprised, but but yeah, I, I was very happy with the, the way that everything was going with seeking that balance between obligations to managers and obligations to colleagues. Um, 
Uh, and overall, while it is a formal relationship, it's also been a pretty, uh, you know, pretty agreeable one, just in the sense that people are realistic about what to expect. You're a graduate. You're probably new to Canberra. You're probably still finding your feet. You might have problems with, you know, uh, making, finding rental arrangements. Um, people have been pretty forthcoming in asking questions about that and checking in. So, yeah, um, while it's a much more professional level of engagement with your manager and you need to be more cognizant, I suppose, of the work that you're doing within your section, um, it's still, uh, there's still an awareness of, of what's happening elsewhere. So professional, but accommodating, I guess. And from the sounds of it, it sounds like a lot of the interactions and relationships you've had have been really positive. Uh, but there are some times when, I guess, workplace tensions might be unavoidable. Uh, there might be changes in projects or teams that, that might cause tensions. Uh, can you tell us from your experience how you might uh, mitigate workplace conflicts or tensions? Uh, the, the public service is a single entity and whatever's happening in other areas, other parts of the country, if there are emergencies, if there are national crises, that does affect you somewhat. Um, as of course, as your personal life and, and whatever's happening within the, the work area that, that you're in. So you do need to, um, be prepared for conflicts and unexpected, uh, events, uh, as we saw in my own workspace, um, with the, the flooding in Queensland that happened, uh, just, just, a, just a couple of months ago. Um, there was a huge, um, surge in the need for, uh, people to come and work through Services Australia to help process claims. And, uh, basically our entire grad unit got, got seconded over to Services Australia um, in the middle of what was a fairly busy working time in the lead up to the election because we were just about to go into caretaker mode and, you know, everything sort of gets put put on hold there. So you need to knock as many things out as you can before that happens. But our entire cohort got lifted up and plonked over in Services Australia and we kind of went, oh God, this is going to cause problems. Uh, what are we, how are we going to make sure that things aren't going to fall behind and, um, and so on and so forth. But yeah, I mean, again, it, it's good having that openness with your manager and being able to sort of talk to them about what's happening and, and they understand that these things do happen. Um, odds are they've been in the public service for a while and have probably been through something similar themselves. Um, and so it's just a part of the job, I think, is, is balancing uh, and, and sort of adapting to those conflicts when they do come up. Yeah, tension is, tension is ever-present uh, and you certainly need to always expect it, but it, it, it's not sort of an impossible thing to deal with when it does come up and... Um, yeah, I think that as long as you've, you've got an, an open mind about uh, arrangements that can be made and you're willing to sort of work to, um, to compensate for those things, uh, which of course everyone is, then you're generally going to be fine. Hmm. Yeah, that's really helpful. Uh, something you mentioned as well is, is that, that new normal, sort of the, the COVID pandemic and I guess the adaptions that a lot of workplaces have had to make sort of doing a hybrid working style. And that can add another layer of complication to workplace communications. Uh, so in your team, what tools or practices have they used and adapted to work better in the hybrid working environment and the, the new normal? I guess this is something that's really going to vary a lot between different departments and the nature of work that you're doing. Um, certainly not everyone has the luxury of a super flexible work environment where you can opt to work from home certain days, you know, within, within the APS and within certain grad programs, you're not going to be able to take your work home with you. Speaking purely for myself, it's been uh, really uh, quite good, I suppose, in terms of 
people sort of reaching out and saying, look, uh, we're going through IT changes at the moment. You're coming in at a bit of a, a bit of a fractious time, you know, things that systems are changing and people are migrating IT stuff over. Um, so they were fairly, uh, I guess, proactive in, in, in negotiating with us ways that we can, we can get online and, and be working from home. Um, you know, in the early days, we weren't even able to go in for our, uh, uh, induction program. So much of it was done online just because of, we, you know, we were still coming out of COVID at that time. Uh, and Canberra took the lockdowns very seriously. So there are a lot of people working from home. Um, so the challenge for them was to get us, uh, you know, into, into information sessions, into, um, I guess, you know, group meetings with some of the higher ups in the department as quickly as they could. Um, and that, that occurred, I would say pretty efficiently for the most part. Um, everyone's situation's different. Um, I was lucky enough to have no major IT problems, but yeah, they were able to get me set up and working remotely uh, very quickly within a, within you know a couple of days of my actually formally formally commencing. Um, we've got f- pretty good remote working capacity um, at the Department of Infrastructure, and most people I think work primarily off of laptops. You've got a little workstation in the office, and you know that's uh, that's your main way of working there. Um, so flexibility is a big focus. Um, it's, I'm, not, I'm not sure flexibility is one of our official values in the department. We're very values driven, but maybe it should be because, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's been a, a positive experience seeing how everyone has been able to, you know, shift their work to home or shift their work somewhere remote and just carry on and get the job done nevertheless. People are definitely getting a little bit of Zoom fatigue, I think. You know, in the early days, uh, everybody seemed really keen on the idea of, you know, after work drinks on Zoom on Fridays. I think that if you propose that now, people will be like, let's, let's not. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, definitely people are more willing to consider um, meetings via teleconference and so on than they were previously. Um, We probably see, even though that we're largely back to sort of everything being open again, um, people are more willing to have those remote meetings where it's just kind of quick and convenient. you probably don't see as many in-person meetings where it's not absolutely necessary, uh, which for me is, is, is fine. You know, I'm Gen Y, so I'm just kind of like, yeah, no, no, no person to person contact is a okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm not sure if it's really had too much of an impact on people's working abilities. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's definitely a change I've noticed in, in my workplace as well. Yeah. Just lots of people, even when they're back in the office opting for sometimes to still do a meeting on zoom, uh, or Webex, but, but yeah, still, I guess not, um, socially and, and I guess you just can't, you can't beat the sort of face-to-face interactions. It's just not the same doing that over Webex. But, um, Tom, finally, before we let you go, uh, some thoughts for aspiring graduates. Uh, so if you were to start over again, your journey, uh, as an aspiring graduate looking to join the APS, what would you have done differently in your preparation? The number one thing that I'd recommend people do probably is, is see if you know anyone, uh, even sort of like through your extended contacts, maybe your, your parents know somebody who's worked in the APS for a while. Um, like not networking as such, but definitely see if you can uh, put yourself in touch with somebody who's, who's gone through a grad program. It is kind of a bubble. Uh, it's, 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 it's a pretty unique place to work and live. And coming into it as a graduate can be a bit of a shock, no matter where you're working, um, no matter which you know part of the APS you're going into. Um, I would say that yeah, just just try to um, 
try to soak up as much firsthand experience from others as you can. Um, the other thing is, yeah, I guess read as, as widely as you can on, on what's happening in, in your department now, just to sort of get a general sense of where your work is going to be at when you do get into that. So you don't feel completely, oh God, I'm the new person, <laughs> uh, you know, because otherwise it can be a little bit disorienting. But if you do sort of some, some backgrounding, I guess, uh, reading white papers and annual reports, um, then you do get a sort of general sense of where the priorities are going to lie. Um, and uh, you may even be able to put yourself in touch with somebody who's in the department uh, ahead of time and, and kind of have a chat to them. Um, I guess also just familiarizing yourself with how, how your life's going to change in other ways, if it is going to change in other ways, if you're relocating, um, if you're uh, going to have to, you know, be making social changes. You're going to be all on your own in a new city or in a new workplace. It's always good to just sort of, uh, I guess, go through the mental preparations for that and think, how am I going to, how am I going to rebalance my life in other ways to make sure I'm not totally burning myself out or I'm not going to be totally without a social life. Um, just good to sort of be thinking about those things because it, it, it can be pretty, can be a pretty exciting time and you don't want to sort of let that overwhelm you too much and get enthusiastic for it because it really is so much more fun than you probably think it's going to be. Uh, it's, it's, and you know, as long as you're not sort of letting that overwhelm you, you're going to have a really great time. Um, it's a fantastic career path and people within the APS will echo that sentiment to you. There were some great tips for aspiring grads, Tom. Thank you. Only thing I would add, shameless plug, listen to Gradcast as well. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Got to do that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But um, Tom, thank you so much for this interview. You've had some really insightful points, uh, some really good advice for communicating in the workplace uh, and hearing from your own experience has been fantastic. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Callum. Uh, sort of wish that I'd sort of had some of this advice before I'd started, but <laughs> you know, there you go. <laughs> Live and learn. That's right. For the, for the next generation, preparing them. Krishna, what have you been some of your key takeaways from this episode as we've thought more about understanding communication and working with others? I love listening to grads reflect back on their grad year because it just shows so much progress and um, so much growth from when they started out to where they've ended up in their career now. And um, I could just see so many similarities between what our guests said and what Ellen said in terms of um, them having identified different personality types and different communication styles and, you know, um, achieving success in their career um, based on them being able to identify how to best cater to their managers and their colleagues and their teammates. It was really interesting to see how they manage conflict as well, which is um, an inevitable part of our public service life and all of us are bound to come across it. So some really great insight this episode, Callum, and really looking forward to the next episode as well, which is actually going to be in collaboration with the Institute of Public Administration Australia, also known as IPA. Yeah, that's right. And the next episode, we'll be talking about why be a public servant. So make sure to tune in. Uh, as always, uh, you can send us an email at hello at gradcast.com if you have any episode suggestions or guest suggestions or just want to get in touch with us and also follow us on social media and be sure to listen to some of our previous episodes wherever you listen to your podcast if you haven't done so already. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you and see you next time. Gradcast is produced by Content Group on Ngunnawal land in Canberra and supported by the Commonwealth Superannuation Corporation, CSC. Check us out online and we'll be back soon wherever you get your podcasts.